The sermon today is going to come to you from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 through 18. Therefore, we must pay greater attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the message declared through angels was valid and every transgression or disobedience received a just penalty, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It was declared at first through the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard him. While God added his testimony by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Now God did not subject the coming world about which we are speaking to angels, but someone has testified somewhere. What are human beings that you are mindful of them or mortals that you care for them? You have made them for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. Now in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them. But we do see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, and bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sacrifices and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to by my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here I am and the children whom God has given me. Since therefore the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same things, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by fear of death. For it is clear that he did not come to help angels, but the descendants of Abraham. Therefore he had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect, so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people, because himself was tested, because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. Here ends this, um, the gospel lesson. The sermon today was provided by Pastor Ingrid, um, and it's called So Great a Salvation, and it's adapted from a sermon by uh, Pastor Michael Mark. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So great is salvation. The words bring smile to my face and fill my heart with hope and joy. The concept of salvation is ingrained in every human heart. Some of the most successful movies of all time deal with the subject of saving the world from an enemy. The Avengers movies, Superman, the Transformers, Star Wars, Avatar. Something about saving the world resonates with us. We all want to be saved. We all want to live. Now we know movies are fiction. Today, the Bible will show us salvation that is so great a salvation. It is greater than the salvation made up in movies, and the best part is that you can partake in it. Look at verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. We must not only, or we must not give only half our minds, but we must give the most careful attention to what we have heard, namely the gospel message, so that we do not drift away. And notice it's a drift, 
little by little. If we don't dig into God's word day by day, the everyday cares, worries, or influences take us farther and farther off course. Verses two to three gives us another warning. For since the message spoken through angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? The author here is referring to the law Moses gave. The law was binding. It cannot be altered, changed, or revoked. The punishments are deserved because a violation of the law represents a violation against the righteous demands of a holy God. Here are some of those prescriptions in the book of Leviticus. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death. Anyone who injures their neighbor is to be injured in the same manner, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. I have just named five. There are 613 laws to follow. As natural born sinners, we cannot keep these laws. We cannot even keep the laws we make up for ourselves. How can we escape? This is why we have so great a salvation through Jesus Christ. It is the escape from the punishment of God's law. What makes the salvation of the Bible the only true salvation? How do we know it's real? Let's look at verse three and four. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, when Jesus begins his ministry, he preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The author tells us that this message of salvation was confirmed by those who heard him. Primary sources who heard from Jesus communicated this message. The Bible itself is also proof of the message of salvation. The Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years by over 40 authors from all different walks of life in three different continents, in three different languages, in several different types of places, and several different circumstances. Archaeological evidence validates the historical books of the Bible as accurate. The Bible can validate itself. Scripture interprets scripture. All of the 66 books contain the same message. The Bible was written by men, inspired by God, which shows how close God is working with mankind. And there's more. Look at verse 5 and 6. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for him? The Bible is clear about the future. We will rule and reign with Christ one day over a new heaven and earth. Continuing in verse seven and eight, you made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. We were created with some limitations with flesh. But the author shows us that we who are saved will have dominion in the world to come. We will be crowned with glory. Those who are saved are honored as children of God. The church of Christ will inherit a new reward, perfect world, and live life to the full eternally. We can know these promises are true when we look at Jesus. Jesus has partaken of the life we live so that we can partake in the life he lives. Look again at verse 9 to see again how wonderful this salvation is. First, it is by the grace of God. 
It is impossible for us to save ourselves, but by his grace, he came to save us. In order for us to partake in everlasting glory, Jesus had to partake on suffering and death. Look at verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. The whole universe exists for the glory of God. Wrongdoing must be punished. So God provided us with a savior through the atoning death of Christ. God can forgive our sins and at the same time maintain his perfect justice and holiness. Look at verse 11. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. Our gatherings are family gatherings. We were once sinners, but by the grace of God, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Verse 12, Jesus says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. Jesus openly declares the name of God to all of us. We exist for the glory of God. Verse 13, Jesus says, I will put my trust in him. In heaven, Jesus had the same glory as God. But when he came to earth, he was fully human and experienced the same temptations. Just like us, he put his trust fully in God and depended on him. He is an example to us. The last reference says, here am I and the children God has given me. Here is the picture. We are all together as a family and Jesus presents himself and us to God. He literally brings us to glory. So we see that Jesus partook in our humanity so we can partake in his glory. He also partook in our humanity to destroy and defeat our greatest enemies, death and, Eve and the devil. Now this no man can do. Look at verse 14 and 15. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Jesus entered into our humanity so he could enter into our death, and there he defeated the devil. The devil can no longer harm the saints. He cannot accuse them. He cannot slander them. He can try but will fail to entice them to sin. Death is no longer a source of fear, but becomes the entryway into eternal life and blessings in God's kingdom. We are partakers in his victory over death. Look at verse 16 and 17. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Salvation was given to mankind, and that is because of God's grace. Jesus gave his life by shedding his blood on the cross. God accepted this as payment for the sins of the world, and Jesus is now our high priest who is our advocate before God. We are reminded that Jesus is a merciful and faithful high priest. After we have been saved, we will face trials and temptations. The world is in enmity with God. We also still live in a corrupt flesh. Verse 18 says, Because he himself suffered what he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He knows. He understands. And we can take care, take our cares, our worries, and our burdens to Jesus in prayer, and he will help. He desires to help, and he is able to. And he is merciful, gracious, and compassionate. There is only one true salvation. It is a salvation into eternal life. 
eternal glory, eternal honor. It is salvation over death and the devil, and it is salvation from the wrath of God, because so great a Savior came from heaven, was made a little lower than the angels, and now is crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, you are not only saved, but you have so great a salvation, greater than any salvation you can imagine. Amen.